0: from St. Louis Public Radio
1: This is St. Louis on the air They keep threats my family and me to kill my to kill me and my family I make a fake promise with them
0: When she first told me that she was able to come She said uh, that she wanted to come to St. Louis. I was like, well, heck, I live here. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to stay with us. Um, If that works out, then our home is your home. Hmm.
2: So are you hoping St. Louis will be your first stop in the US or do you want to spend some time here? I'm Sarah Fenske. Among the thousands of Afghans fleeing the nation in the past week as the Taliban took control of the country was a young woman who goes by Zizi. She had been working as an interpreter for coalition forces in recent years. Zizi is now in St. Louis, and she joins us to share her story. Zizi, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. And welcome to
2: St. Louis. Have you been able to get your bearings a little bit?
1: Yes, I appreciate it. Thank you.
2: You were able to go to Forest Park earlier?
1: Yes. Yesterday we went to Forest Park and uh, CG took me over there and we went to the boat and I saw the water. that I never been in the water over there in Afghanistan. You'd never seen a lake before? No. And uh, I took some beautiful pictures over there. That's great. We have fun.
2: So you're getting to see a little bit of the area. Yes. And this has been just a crazy couple weeks for you. You got out just before the Afghan government fell. And this is after months of trying. Were you worried you wouldn't be able to get out in time?
1: Of course. I was so much worried over there in Afghanistan, especially my process. It took too long. So I was trying to move from Kabul in 2012. But it The process was too long, but I'm so happy right now that I'm here. So 2012, that's when you began trying to come to the
2: U.S.? Yes. That is a long journey. Um, Have there been uh, checks along the way where you had a sense things were moving forward? Or has it just
1: been one long process? So in 2012, uh, I was not required for the SIV process and 2020, so I was required for the process because I met that two years require, requirement in 2020, and Mr. Kyle helped me with the process to push it harder to make it happen sooner.
2: Okay, so when you first applied, you weren't eligible, but you became eligible last year. Yes. And so at that point, had it been a major focus to try to get this done, get yes. to America? Yes, yes. Did you see what was coming? You knew the Afghan government was not going to hold. Was that part of why you wanted to, to get out?
1: Exactly, and that was. Uh, and also, I was uh, uh, in danger. That's why I was. That's why I wanted to leave Afghanistan because I didn't feel safe over there. So tell us a bit about why. Is it
2: because you were working for the coalition forces?
1: Yes. uh, I kidnapped by Taliban in 2011. And uh, then I tried hard to leave Afghanistan because they keep threats my family and me to kill my, to kill me and my family. That's why I was trying hard to leave Afghanistan. And as so we you, should... were,
2: you were kidnapped. You were a teenager when yes. this happened?
1: Yes. I was 15 years old that I kidnapped by Taliban. And then I started work with the coalition forces in 2012. And the CIA captain, CIA captain he was working for the intelligence. Uh, he helped me to uh, work as a linguist with them to keep me safe in the base and uh, uh, to meet the requirements to apply for the SAV to, to be able to leave Afghanistan. So you were kidnapped by them in 2011. You were able to get away,
2: and at that point you went back to your family. That put you in danger? They were they were worried that you had gotten away from this kidnapping?
1: Yeah, so they kidnapped me, and they keep me for three nights with them, and they torture me badly, and... Uh, and uh, they pulled my hairs. They tortured me badly. And after that, I able to escape from them, and to get back to my family. Because I told them I, w- I make a fake promise with them that they didn't let me to go to my family, and they were forcing me to get married with them. And I said, let me see my family, and then we'll come back to you. That's why they let me to go back home. And uh, I never returned back to them. Okay, so you made this fake promise, we're able to get away. At that point,
2: they were, they were looking for you.
1: Yes, they were looking for me. And after that, that I met my family, and I, I, I was together with my family. I told them that that was a fake promise, and I will never, ever go back to them.
2: But at that point, your family was a target. Yes. Yes. So did you have to leave where you were living to to get away
1: from the Taliban? So when I started work with the coalition forces, we were in the same province, in Nangarhar province. And uh, because... uh, they they put the bombs on our family in our house. That's why we leave uh, Nangarhar province. We moved to Kabul province, and I had a press conference over there to call the government to that I don't have a safety and I need uh, safety over here. So it's get harder and harder and worse and because Taliban saw me on the news and they threats my family a lot.
2: And so you were calling, you were trying to get the government's attention. At the same time, that almost made you a bit of a target. Yes. Okay. So that must have been some nerve-wracking times. Is that part of what led you to then end up working for the Americans, the coalition forces?
1: Uh, Yes. At that time, I wasn't working for the coalition forces. I was hiding two months over there in the basement, and when my captain, Captain Aaron Thomas, he saw me in the news, and we contacted, like, he asked me, Zizi, everything is okay. I said, no, nothing is okay, because I, I don't feel safe, and Taliban is trying to kill me over here, and their are here in Kabul province. And he was saying that I'm going to send you some money to continue your education. And after that, start work with the coalition forces again. And he was sending me money, support, my, uh, support me financially to get my education. And I graduated from university. So in June 2018, I start work with the coalition forces again.
2: OK. So
1: this all began when you were a teenager,
2: and they kind of got you trained, and, and there you were ready to do the work. Yes. And so you ended up working in Afghanistan with someone else who's here with us today. This is Alan Nash. He's a former lieutenant in the U.S. Navy. Um, Alan, welcome.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
2: And so Zizi is someone you worked with during your time in Afghanistan. Do you remember when you first met her?
0: Of course. It was the first day. Your first
2: day in Afghanistan. It
0: was, uh, yeah, um, March 31st of 2019.
2: Okay. And tell us about um, the project that you were working on together, how she came into your orbit there.
0: Well, it's the, it was the Combined Joint Engineering Office, uh, which is a subset of the NATO mission over there. And um, our job was, the overall mission was a train, advise, assist. So many people have heard that we didn't actually have the fight. We didn't engage the fight. It was the Afghan army that engaged the fight. We assisted them to do that. And that is true. And so as far as engineering goes, I assisted and trained the local, the Afghan engineers. And our office did that all over the country. I was focused in the south in Kandahar. Okay. And so I, I worked with Zizi. The first day I met her with the beautiful smile that she always has, and, um, but from then on, she was one of the staff uh, translators in the main office. And so me, as a remote engineer, I was able to ask for her help to translate the stuff that I write for the afghan engineers
2: and so you're not just translating um, between languages you're translating some really technical materials yes. talking about engineering
1: exactly as yes. yeah, it was technical and it was not like my field to translating engineers but uh, i learned a lot from the engineers advisors <laughs> and i appreciate alan uh, that he teach me lots of technical technical words and also <laughs> uh, major compton uh, he helped me so much at the beginning that I met him. He he brought like a chapter for me, technical words to learn and how to translate them. And that was so good. And were you also kind of bridging these two cultures to
2: help the Afghans working on this project, what the Americans even wanted, and, and vice versa? Here's,
1: a, here's how to get along. Yes, exactly. I was also a culture advisor with them that to advise them uh, explain the c- Afghan cultures to Americans and uh, for the Afghans, explain the American cultures to them. So I was doing that as well with, with my yeah. Ellen, this sounds like
2: invaluable to have somebody doing this work, but also pretty complicated. I mean, to have somebody who's, who's a teenager mm-hmm. kind of serving as this bridge between these, these two big and complicated entities.
0: Oh, very much so. Um, she's, she's being pretty humble. About this something that doesn't get spoken is that she was a local national as opposed to an American who happened to know Farsi and and other Middle Eastern languages. So she was a local national and be, and but she was also trained as as a linguist. So that means that she could speak, write, and type in Farsi. I'm sorry, in Pashtu, and Dari, and Farsi, and one English. other, one, and English, of course, <laughs> that's and so, that's a lot <laughs> so, right there. It, so. And and the difficulty she was describing there is Dari doesn't have a technical side of their language. So when you say that, you know, if you say um, speedometer, we all know what that means. They don't have words for a meter that measures distance over time. They don't have that. So, so she has to translate that you're culturally. You're almost
2: coming up with the <clears throat> words to describe this thing that yes. I would never have to come up with the words exactly. to describe in my everyday exactly. life.
1: In our office, we had seven boys that they were translating as well but they refused this technical words to translate it and i was like no i don't want to refuse it i want to translate it because i want to improve it my skills and that was so good that i translated that chapter so i learned a lot from that and that was so good so everybody was amazed with that translating yeah I bet yeah
2: and so that was that was a few years ago that you guys were working on this project did you continue to get to work with ZZ um, after that project
0: yes but um whatsapp is basically their business um it's their secure transmission
2: this is an app you can use for texting here in America anywhere in the world (laughs) it's it's
0: like any texting and, and but it's it's secured so it's, it's based here in America as well.
2: So you stayed in touch with people over WhatsApp. As things began to heat mm-hmm. up and as you became eligible for this program, Yes, did you reach far and wide? Or did you just have a few people in mind? Here's some people who might be able to help.
1: I have lots of friends in CGN, Jewish called combined engineer office so mm-hmm. I met all of them all the advisors were so smart and so educated and everybody wants to help me whenever they heard my story so I keep contact with them but um, when I become eligible for the SIV uh, the CI people he uh, found and he uh, contact with Mr. Kyle and uh, that he's working for the congressman Immanuel Clever the yeah. congressman in Kansas City. Correct. Yes. And he sent me an email that your uh, story brought up uh, to us and we are interested to help you. And I was like, that's a good thing. And I sent and I reply him and I, I was like, yeah, I need your help. So that's why he, he was helping me a lot and support me so much yeah, and push it harder. And he's basically the one that was able to break through this. Is that is that correct, Representative
2: Cleaver?
0: He was definitely the most effective. There was lots of people working on her behalf for sure. Um, but none of us had the direct path mm-hmm. that an actual legislation staffer had. He knew the, he knew the system in D.C. and was able to cut through.
2: We're talking today to Alan Nash. He's a former lieutenant in the U.S. Navy uh, in Afghanistan. He worked with Zizi. She was an interpreter for coalition forces. She is now in the U.S., landed here last week, and is now in St. Louis, living in St. Peter's at Alan's home. When did you get the word that ZZ was going to be able
0: to come to the US? Um, Well, back in uh, February is when I knew that paperwork was actually moving. And in May is when she was basically approved, all she needed was that rubber stamp on her passport. And um, unfortunately, before she was authorized to come pick it up, COVID hit. So the office shut down. And then um, she had to wait a month. But then after a month, then the drama started
2: the drama um so she
0: had to wait a month and then they were late as well okay uh, because of probably unspoken uh um terrors and then um by the time and then like what just a couple of days before the fall is when they finally emailed her and said come get your passport and then a, a day or two later they said here's your ticket get to the airport however you can
2: I mean, if they had been even 48 hours later, she, this could have been a disaster.
0: She, meet, she beat the Taliban wall by about 10
1: hours.
2: Yes. 10 hours. Yes. Do you find yourself thinking about that today? I, I feel like I'm almost shaking. Yeah. Oh, that. my
1: goodness. I was like. I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. W- so when you landed then, I mean, is that when you realized like, whoa, this is how close it was? I-
1: exactly. Yes. And I was thinking like, am I dreaming? <laughs> <I>
0: was- <laughs> yeah. Of, the City articles, you see, I actually see a picture of her on the flight coming over. So, Well, I know Zizi, I know her face, so you could see she was a little shell-shocked.
1: I bet. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's that's almost the scariest thing. Exactly, yes. We were so scared that whenever we got to the airport and we delay a little bit because Our time, our flight time was like uh, at 1 o'clock p.m. And there was like, Taliban got the control of Kabul, and the security situation was not good. And I thought maybe the flight will be canceled. Yeah. I imagine, yeah. Whenever our flight left, I was crying so hard, and I was so happy. (laughs) So take us through that journey,
2: that flight leaves Kabul. Um, Where did you fly to from there? From uh, To Washington,
1: D.C. You went directly to D.C.? Yes. Okay.
2: So there was no intermediate step where you thought, I don't know if I'm so going to get so, it.
1: Mm, I'm sorry. Uh, we, uh, we have a stop in Doha. From Doha to Washington, D.C. Okay. Yes. So then you landed on
2: American soil. What did that feel like to step off that plane and know that you were there in Washington, D.C.?
1: Oh, I was so happy. They took us in the bus. It was like early in the morning, and I was like, I'm so happy. (laughs) And I I, I was thinking with myself, am I dreaming I'm here? I didn't know that I'm walking or whatever. Uh, in my mind, I was like, I'm dreaming this. <laughs> <laughs> so you made it.
2: You're here. Um, and then you had another flight. You had a flight to St. Louis. And you're actually going to be living
1: with Alan as you get your bearings here in the U.S. Yes. How did that come about? I'm so happy with Alan Nash and with his family, and they're so amazing, yeah. Uh, before he told me that uh, you can stay with us and I support you to stay with us and I was so happy about that because uh, uh, America is a completely different world yeah. and I will get lost if I don't have a support on anyone to show me. Uh, I was so happy for that and uh, uh, I moved over she, here, I started leaving with him. She,
0: so over in, over in Afghanistan, uh, Zizi is very special. She's, um, she's very open with her story, and like the story that starts not just as a baby, but when the Taliban uh, was kidnapped her, and that whole saga she kind of brushed through uh, the, today. But she's, she was very open with that story, but she welcomed um, oftentimes military people go over there and they serve their mission, but they don't always have the opportunity to know the people they're serving mm-hmm. to help they're helping. Zizi brought that to us. She brought her story to us. She personalized um, what we were fighting for. I mean, I was an engineer, I wasn't fighting per se, but, um, but it's the same mission, what, what we were trying to accomplish. She brought that. It's important to note that the, I would, this is me speaking, not the military, but I would estimate about 90% of the population were thankful that we were there. And what we did was very good. And, and we brought them a glimmer of hope and uh, a sense of what can happen if everybody comes together. It's the other stuff that made things go wrong like it has recently. Mm-hmm. But Zizi was able to personalize that for us. And so when she, as, as she had to stay there, but everybody else left, she was, um, she stayed in contact with us. So she told, um, so including several people from St. Louis. So she told me, when she first told me that she was able to come, she said uh, that she wanted to come to St. Louis. I was like, well, heck, I live here. You're welcome to come, you're welcome to stay with us. Um, If that works out, then our home is your home. Mm -hmm.
2: So are you hoping St. Louis will be your first stop in the US or do you wanna spend some time here?
1: So this is my first stop. I want to uh, go to college here and get my master's degree over here in St. Louis. I like it a lot.
2: That's great. What do you want to study for your master's degree?
1: I want to study uh, political,
2: uh, international relationship in politics. And is it your hope that someday you could go back to Afghanistan if the situation changes?
1: Uh, Well, uh, if the situation changes, maybe I will go, but I I don't think so if I go back to Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you don't see your future there. No,
1: no, no. I don't see my future over there, but only I'm worried about my family because they left behind. So that is what I was going to ask you about next. I mean, you were able to get out,
2: but there's been some terrible stories about people, Taliban members, looking for family members. Yes. Are you worried that your family has a target?
1: Yes, my family is a target, and especially my brother that he left behind. He's younger than me, and Taliban will keep sending him messages that to return your sister to us. And if you don't return her, we will call you, and I'm worried about my dead brother and my two sisters. Sisters, that they are nurses, and my brother, he was also he was always supporting me. As you know, the culture of Afghanistan, that the working as a woman in Afghanistan is very tough, especially being a linguist is very hard. And my brother, he was always supporting me, and I'm worried about him right now because it is very dangerous for him, and Taliban is looking for him to kill him, and he's hiding at home. That's
2: so scary. Is there any chance, does he have paperwork in process where he could be able to leave? Uh,
1: Yes, um, Mr. Kyle, he sent all my family information to the Department of State's uh, they sent the gate pass to my email, so I sent it to my family that they can go to the airport to get out of Afghanistan. They s- they went to the airport, they get inside of the airport. After that, the Marines forces told them that you are not, your documents are not uh, uh, for the. They said this wasn't good yeah, enough. Yeah, no, no, it's not enough to leave Afghanistan for you.
2: So that's where it stands right now. At this point, they don't have what they need to be able to be exactly. allowed to leave. Exactly, they
1: don't have that what they need, and they go back home today. And I'm, I'm so sad for them. I'm here, but my mind and my heart is with my family. Alan,
2: so many people um, worked on Zizi's case, and and Representative Cleaver, and and all these people were involved. Are you going to continue to be involved with what's happening with her family?
0: Um, honestly. Um the staffer from uh, cleaver's office he's much more effective than i am so i'll support as i'm asked mm-hmm. but i don't know the wherewithal to do you get support. the sense
2: he's uh, that this is part of his to-do list he's on top of this
0: representative cleaver has given him carte blanche to do what it takes to get as many uh to do as many to do whatever it takes to get those people out so this is um, on
2: their agenda it's just such a situation over there correct okay. correct and it
0: uh, I could be wrong, but if I remember right, I, th- I think in total he was working on about 20 people's cases. Okay. Um, so that's several primary SIVs plus their families. Okay.
2: Well, that's really hard. That's got to be the thing that makes it hard to be 100% happy right now, just yes. thinking about that.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm. I'm not so much happy because I'm worried about my family. I'm happy that I am safe and I'm in a peaceful country, but I'm worried about my family. So Alan mentioned just the, the, the sense he had
2: when he was in Afghanistan that so many people were happy that the Americans were there and that, that people were pleased with the work they were doing. I'm curious about your sense as an Afghan. So many Americans now are saying, was this a mistake? Did we make things worse by going over there in the first place? What, what do you think about that?
1: Um, as a woman in Afghanistan, that was a good thing that America come over there. And women didn't have rights over there. Women's didn't have the education opportunities over there. Americans get us that. America give us rights over there. America give us education opportunity over there. America give us freedom over there. But right now, everything's gone. Because Taliban took a control, and they, they will never uh, let the women to go to schools or universities have that freedoms that we had whenever America was there. And we, we will not have that rights again that whenever, um, whenever America was there and we had. Mm-hmm.
2: That's so hard to it know that taking this big step back.
1: Yes, it is very tough.
2: So, Americans who are listening to this today and who are touched by your story,
1: is there anything we can do right now that would help? Uh, I want to uh, request the U.S. government to help my family and get them out from there. Yeah. yeah, because I'm so much worried about that. That I would appreciate that to to get out my family. Yeah, that's got to be. This is my tough message to mind. the Department of States and the U.S. government. Get your family out
2: yes alan any sense i mean you've been on the other side of this you've seen what representative cleaver's office has been up to is there anything we can do who should we call if we want to help zizi's family what would you recommend as, as the best move to put pressure on this system and help
0: her family i like positive reinforcement so uh, representative cleaver if encourage you know him. if you don't know him, encourage him and um uh, just applaud the representatives who are taking an active role uh, not all of them are, not all of them are able, and I don't know why or when, I'm not saying anything more. I'm just saying uh, applaud the ones that are doing it. It's really, I think the onus of the, the workload is on the Department of State to uh, push the paperwork and for the uh, Department of Defense to continue getting these contract aircraft and um, at some point to, with diplo- diplomatic uh, backing, to go ahead and, and pierce the wall that is the Taliban blockade mm-hmm. and allow entry, that's that's a big boundary.
2: Get people out of there. Yeah, so yeah.
0: just be forthright, be strong, we're America, there's no reason to be weak.
2: So ZZ, last question, you're looking ahead to spending some time in St. Louis to getting a master's degree here, exactly. getting to explore the city. Is there anything right now that you're like, this is what I want to see or do next?
1: Next, I want to write my book and publish my book. That's about the women's rights in Afghanistan. And I want to be the voice of women. And I want to inspire most of women that they are suffering and they are victims. And uh, I want to publish my book and and complete that. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that book, and I hope we can have you back
2: at this radio show to talk about that book once you've got it published.
1: Exactly. Why not?
2: Well, exactly. Zizi, thank you so much for joining us Appreciate today. I Thank you. We're thinking about not just you, but also thinking about your family. Please keep us updated on the situation. Of course. And Alan Nash, thank you so much for joining us today and, and making this possible. It's
0: been a blast. I'm happy to do it.
2: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.